Uh, Colin is going to be my timekeeper again this morning. Uh, he's still mourning a little bit about the English and uh, Irish rugby match the other week, so he needs a bit of encouragement. But we redeemed ourselves yesterday, didn't we, against Scotland? Uh, it's just... <laughs> okay, all right. I have been... Um, I've been preaching over 50 years now, and when I say that, I say, my goodness me, 50 years. And uh, I've, I've never ceased uh, looking upon it as a, a, an immense privilege just to open the Bible and, and try to exp explain what the Bible uh, is, is saying. So um, let's have hearts to hear uh, what, what God has got to say to us uh, this morning. Can you turn with me? There is a passage that, um, that has been uh, with me for quite a while now. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, to get the context of what I'm talking about this morning, um, I'm going to read from verse 17 right to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, from verse 17 to the end of the, the chapter. Some of it doesn't make very pleasant reading, but it's, it's in God's Word, and it's there for a reason, and so uh, we need to take on board what it is saying to us and how we apply it in our, in our lives today. Is everybody happy? Not, not cold or anything like that? Good, good friend. <laughs> Well, snuggle up with somebody or I don't know. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do or don't live like non-Christians in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Doesn't make pleasant reading, does it? You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now that's an interesting comment, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, and as one preacher said, when you see the word therefore, always ask what it's therefore. Okay? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, 
that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You may recall that um, Carl spoke on this verse of Scripture a few weeks back. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. God's blessing me upon his word um, this morning. If I was to give my message a, a title, I think I would call it very simply, uh, Off with the Old and On with the New. Off with the Old and On with the New. I left school when I was 15. That was just about 20 years ago, I think. And if you believe, and if you believe that, you believe anything, believe me. <laughs> That would make me 35, but in actual fact, I'm almost double that age. I'm 70 this year. You can't believe it, can you? Looking at me. Yeah. My birthday's on the 26th of October. If you want to send me a card, that's okay. <laughs> but you know what? Most of my schooling was done in Canada, a little bit in Ireland, but I still remember the name of some of my teachers. Do you? There was Mr. Lawson. I'm seeing some of you are, are thinking about that. There was Mr. Lawson. Uh, there was Mr. Rankin, there was Miss P. Brown, and I think I was her pet. I do. I think I was her pet. I could be wrong, but I, th I think I was. And I still remember their names, and I remember some of the things that they taught me as well. It's something that never leaves us. And the reason why I'm talking about that and saying that is because I believe that in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul has in mind, in all probability, the image of a school. We're all in a school. We're all, we're all on a, a, a learning process, aren't we? And in this school, we were taught about Jesus, and we were taught by Jesus. And I believe, incidentally, when God's word is being preached, that Jesus is speaking and Jesus is teaching his people. I believe that with, with all of my heart. Not because I'm a preacher, but I just believe that passionately. And so in this school, we are being taught about Jesus, and we are being taught by Jesus. And what we are being taught is this, is that when we become Christians, our new life is at odds with the old life that we once lived. Do you believe that? Totally at odds. That's why Paul says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way, referring to the old life when we were non-Christians. You were taught, as regards Christ, to put off the old man and to put on the new man. When you become a Christian, friends, you just do not turn over a new leaf. You get a new life. Isn't that good? Well, try to get excited about it at least, all right? You just don't turn over a new leaf. You get a new life. And friends, yeah, <laughs> it's new life in Jesus. New life in Jesus. And this is what we are taught. When we came to Jesus and we repented and we told Jesus that we were sorry, when we put our faith and our trust in him, we exchanged one life for a new life. 
and we get new life in Jesus. And we are renewed in the attitude of our minds. I like what uh, J. John said in one of his books. When he became a Christian, he's a well-known evangelist in the country here, if you've not heard of him. But J. John said uh, when he became a Christian, he said to his mom that he'd become a Christian. And his mom said to him, "Uh, J. John, you've been brainwashed. And he said, Mom, I have been brainwashed. My brain has been washed. And if you knew what was in my brain, you would be glad it was washed. (laughs) (laughs) Off with the old and on with the new. It's new life in Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Now Paul was a very practical guy. And and he says, you've been taught to, to take off the old man and to put on the new man. And now I'm going to show you how in practical ways you can do this. Hence, we have that word, therefore. But before we look at those practical ways, just let me just say two things very quickly about this passage of Scripture from verse 25 onwards to the end of the chapter. First of all, it highlights for us the importance of personal responsibility. Now, when he comes to the practical outworking of putting on the new man, he doesn't say pray about it. He says just do it. He doesn't say, now pray about, where's Janet, about that anger of yours. He says no, just put it off. He doesn't say pray about uh, telling the truth. He says just tell the truth. Just get on with it. We've got to take personal responsibility. And I'm amazed how many people, even Christians, they blame other people for their actions. Take a bit of personal responsibility. I love the story. I don't know if you've ever heard of George Muller, but he had a, an orphanage in, in Bristol going back about 150 years ago. And he was known for his faith. He used to say, he had, he used to say grace when there was no food on the table for the children. <laughs> he used to say grace. And somebody would rap on the door with groceries. I've read a couple of books about his, his, his life, a great, great man. He was known for his piety and for his godliness. And on one occasion, a man came to uh, George Muller and he said to him, will you please pray that, that God will help me to get out of bed in the morning so I can have time with him in prayer and, uh, and around his work. And George Muller said, no, I will not. <laughs> but what I'll do is this. If you get one leg out of bed, I'll pray that God will help you get the other leg out of bed. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, we've got to take a bit of personal initiative and and just do things. And when we do them, we find that God is there to help us. Have you ever found that? God tells us to do something. We take the initiative, we do it, and God is there to help us. It highlights personal responsibility. And then it also highlights uh, the, the need for good relationships within the body of Christ. In verse 25 onwards, Everything that Paul is talking about here is about relationships. And relationships within the church are very important, aren't they? Chris agrees with me, all right. They're very important. The church is meant to be a witness to this world in how we behave and in how we relate to one another. Jesus, in John 17, he prayed that The church of the future, those who would believe, would be one so that the world might believe. 
And so our unity and our relationships with one another is fundamentally important if we're going to win this world for Jesus. But let's face it, we do have, we do have our fallout sometimes, don't we? Because guess what? We're not perfect. I, I talked about that the last time I preached. We're not perfect, are we, really? Imperfection. People rub us up the wrong way. We get upset with people. Uh, we're like, we're like a, a bunch of porcupines on a cold night. We, we, we come together. But you know those quills that the porcupines have? You come together and you discover, oh, that person has needled me. <laughs> And then we're driven away from one another, but then we get cold again, and then we come together again like a bunch of porcupines. And once again, we get needled again. And, and, and I'll just throw this out for all it's worth. But very often before I speak, I like to go out for a walk, and I was around stubbing courts, and I was just thinking about this, and I was just pr praying about this. And it, it could well be that there are people here this morning that when it comes to relationships, you don't want to get too close to people because you've been hurt. You've been needled, and you don't want to go through that again. Hey, there's not a person here who has not been hurt by people who they never thought they would be hurt by, even within the body of Christ. But friends, you've got to build a bridge. Why do you need to build a bridge? Get over it. Don't rob yourself of fellowship within the body of Christ because of things that have happened in the past. Would you like a bit of poetry? Because I'm quite a poet. Sometimes I'm a, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it, right? But, but it, here's a bit of poetry for you. To dwell above with those we love, that will be bliss and glory. To live below with those we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> You just happen to be here, that's all. <laughs> oh, he dropped his phone there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And that's why good relationships are so important. And that's when it, when it comes to putting off the old man and putting on the new. How we relate to one another is very important. All right. How do we work this out in practice? Where's my, time, my timekeeper? Yeah, going okay. All right. Now, some of the things I might say this morning, it might, it might cut deep, but that's okay, isn't it? And you might find yourself getting angry with me, but you know, you're going to find as I get into my message, it's not a good thing to get angry with people, okay? But if I cut deep, it's not me that's cutting deep, it's God's word that is cutting deep, okay? And later in the epistle, Paul refers... Referring to the arm of God, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And swords have got the habit of cutting deep, haven't they? So if you feel as if I'm cutting deep, it's not me, it's God's Word, okay? All right, first of all, how do we work this out in practice? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. The first heading very simply is this, put off the old lifestyle of lies and put on truth in our relationships one to another. For we are members of the body of Christ. 
Speak truthfully one to another. I like the story about a mother who said to her son who was in a Christian home, what is a lie? And the little boy said, Mommy, a lie is an abomination to the Lord, but an ever-present help in the time of need. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes a lie does come in handy sometimes, doesn't it? I like that story. A lie is when we deliberately try to deceive, pulling the mask over people's face. Jim, you're not, you're not suggesting that sometimes Christians can tell porkies, are you? Oh, yes I am. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Speak truthfully one to one, one to another. Do you know why? Do you know why you need to do that? Because you, you can't trust people who tell you lies all the time. It, it does something within the, 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 the body of, of, of Christ. In actual fact, part of the new nature that we have received is that, well, we have received the nature of God, haven't we? And the nature of God is this. He is absolutely truthful. He cannot and he will not speak a lie. In fact, when we tell lies, we're we're more like the devil because Jesus referred to the devil as the father of lies. And so he says, put off off lying and and put on truth. And you know what? Lying is endemic in the world. We don't need it in the church. Do you agree with me? We don't need it in the church. It's endemic in the world. In, in politics, have you ever come across an honest politician? <laughs> I don't know what side you were on when it came to the whole Brexit thing, but on both sides, lies have been t- told, and one group are saying they're lying, and the other group are saying they're lying. They're both lying. It's endemic within poli- politics. It's endemic sometimes within business, friends, and the church shouldn't be like that. We have got within the church a counterculture. And we speak truth. Not always easy. I'm looking at Neville. It's only because you're here. Like, if Neville was to say to me, Jim, do you think I'm good looking? I might, have to, I might struggle to have to tell him <laughs> the truth. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, this, next time I preach, no one will be sitting along here, will they? <laughs> it's, hey, you ever see the movie Liar, Liar? Yeah. Pinocchio? <laughs> if you tell lies, be careful, watch that nose of yours might just grow. Or, and Liar, Liar, uh, Jim Carrey, and his son made a wish that his father would tell the truth just for one day. I sometimes wonder, think of what would the world be like if for one day everybody spoke the truth, wow, wow. If politicians told the truth, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Put offline, put on truth. Because lies disrupts the body of Christ. You can't trust people who tell porkies. It, it, 
severs. It, it, it. I've seen it happen, friends. I know what I'm talking about. All right, so that's a practical way. Put off lying and put on truth. And look at the next one here. This must be, this must be for Janet. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Oh, as soon as she said that this morning, I said, oh my. <laughs> put off unrighteous anger and put on righteous anger. There is such a thing as righteous anger. In fact, that's, once again, a part of the character of God. He is slow to anger, but yet God does have anger. He has righteous anger. Jesus, I was just looking at this this morning in Mark chapter 3. He talked about uh, he was in the process of healing somebody. And he looked around and he saw the hardness of their heart. And it says that Jesus felt angry. I want to tell you, in this world today, if you want to ask me what makes me angry, you come to me afterwards and I'll tell you what makes me angry. And I hope it's righteous anger. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up in righteous anger. We are angry about these things. Do you know that we have Teen Challenge today because a man by the name of David Wilkerson got angry about young men and women messing up their lives through drugs? Do you know that we have the Salvation Army today because William Booth got angry about what he saw about the deprivation of, of families and, and young children lying in the gutter. He got, he got angry. And I believe we need to put on some righteous anger at times and express it. We need to put on, we need to take off unrighteous anger, but we need to put on righteous anger. But then here he talks about this, this sinful anger. Well, what is anger? Somebody said it's momentary insanity when you get angry. Somebody, somebody rubs you up the wrong way. You don't like it. You know what I'm talking about. You husbands and wives, don't tell me you've never gotten angry with your husband or your wife. <laughs> don't tell me that. How many times have you gone to bed back to back? I'm not speaking to him, you know. Or, yeah, yeah. Hell will freeze over before I say I'm sorry. <laughs> really? Hell? <laughs> well, what a, what a place called hell. <laughs> but what, is, what, is, what does the Apostle Paul say here? He says, he says put it off. It's part, it's, part of the, it's part of the old nature, isn't it? In your anger, do not, do not let the sun... Go, when, you, when, you're, when you're angry, you've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it quickly, because if you don't, it can fester. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Jesus referred to it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, deal with things quickly. I was in uh, Iceland in June with my son Matthew, who is now pastoring in uh, Mansfield. <clears throat> we went, the first night we were there, we went into this little restaurant. 
And somebody told me that Iceland was expensive, but I, believe me, I didn't realize it was going to be as expensive as this. So we ordered fish and chips twice, and two Icelandic beers, and a, and a little sweet. And afterwards, the bill came to something like 60 pounds. <laughs> oh, it makes me so angry when I think about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, the reason why I'm telling you that story was it was June, uh, and it was that time of the year where the sun just did not go down for at least two months. Now, if I was a Christian living in Iceland, and I came across that verse of Scripture, if I wanted to be a literalist, and I could say, it's okay, until that sun goes down, I'm going to just simmer in my... <laughs> for the next two months, you know, I'm going to be angry with that person. No, no. What Paul's saying is just deal with it quickly. Don't let it fester. One version says, uh, don't go to bed angry. Deal with things quickly. You, somebody is annoying you in the church, deal with it quickly. They've, they've hurt you, deal with it quickly. Don't give the devil a foothold. Did you realize that the devil is always looking for a spark of anger, and when he sees it, he'll fan the flame. And when anger is there, we need to extinguish it, because if, it, if we don't, then the devil's going to blow on it. So that's going quickly. Put off lying, put on truth, put off sinful anger, put on uh, righteous anger. And then, he says, and then he says, put off stealing and put on sharing. He, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those who are in need. Wow. I was thinking just yesterday, there used to be a very well-known evangelist in Ireland. I'm not going to call in and Kathleen. They might be, remember the name, W.P. Nicholson. Uh, they're nodding their heads there. Very, very well-known evangelist around about in the 40s and the 50s. You know, uh, Some of you weren't even born then, so never mind that. But, but he was known as the tornado in the pulpit, a really fiery evangelist. And in the 50s, he was having these special meetings in the, uh, in, in the shipbuilding area of, of Belfast. You, you've seen Belfast and you've seen those, uh, what do you call those big things? I forgot what you call them. Yes, Samson and Goliath, that's right. Those big crane things. And, and he was having meetings there. And uh, a lot of the shipbuilders were coming to the, uh, the meeting and, and coming to faith. And as they were getting saved, and these were shipbuilders, the guys who were getting saved brought back to the shipyard some of the goods that they had stolen. Until, and you can authenticate this, until the, the owners of the sh ship place had to put up a sign, well, those people attending... W.P. Nicholson's meetings stop bringing back stolen goods because we've got nowhere to store them. <laughs> I tell you, only Jesus can turn a, a burglar into a benefactor. That was fruit of their repentance, wasn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting there's any burglars here. There could be, yeah. There's chances are there might be. I don't know. Are you? Are you? <laughs> I don't know. Definitely not. In contrast to that, rather than selfishly steal, we share. Now, that's part of God's nature, isn't it? We share. 
we give. Do you know what? I believe every time I do something generous, I'm sending a message back to that old selfish nature. I'm finished with you. So come on. I know this has been encouraged in the church by many preachers, but I would encourage us all, just be generous. Generous to those within the, not just even within the body of Christ, but outside of it, just to be generous. Actually, notice what Paul says here. I've got my eye on the clock, don't worry. He talks about life on three levels. First of all, level one is, uh, some people um, steal to get. Nobody here, of course. And then secondly, some people live on level two. Um, they don't steal to get, they, they work to get, which I would imagine most of us do that, don't we? Unless we're in the glorious time of life when we're on pension. Ah. You don't have to worry about getting up to work. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> but, then, but then he talks about a third level. He says, he says, you work to get in order that you can bless and give and just be generous. So friends, that's part of the nature of God. He's a generous God. Let's be, let's be a generous God people. Why don't you, why don't if you're ever, the next time you're in a restaurant and you, somebody's near to you, why, why, don't you just, why don't you just say to the person, I want to pay for that person's meal there. And they, you, just do it. And you know what? Don't make a big show of it. Just, just, just do it. Well, whether you will or not, I don't know. But, but I found it. I just want to be like my God. I just want to be generous. So put off stealing and then put on, and, and then the last one here, go on that quickly. Put off unwholesome talk and then put on helpful talk. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, for, for that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Unwholesome talk, unwholesome speech. Isn't speech a wonderful thing? Did you realize that's part of the image of God, I believe, within us, the fact that we can, that we can talk. Now, now cows, they, they moo, don't they? And dogs bark, and cats what? Yeah, just want to see if you're still listening to me, that's all I... And fish do what? Now, you don't know, do you? I don't know, I don't know what kind of noise. That, but, but, <laughs> but people, we speak. And here Paul says, don't let nothing, nothing unwholesome, and that means... Anything that is rotten, that's part of the old nature. That could refer to swearing, to being hypercritical. It could be referring to um, backbiting, borderline jokes. When we talk to one another like that, not helpful, is it? Or when we talk about other people like that. Nobody likes a joke more than Jim McGlade. In fact, I have to tell you, 
humor has carried me over these last few years. It's been my salvation at times. Do, will I tell you my, my, my latest joke that came through? Would you like to know it? Yeah, David, David Hasselhoff. You know David Hasselhoff? I never watched the program, Knight Rider, or what was the other one? Baywatch. Baywatch. <laughs> well, David Hasselhoff, he walked into this bar, and he orders a drink, and the bartender says, Ah, Mr. Hasselhoff, it's wonderful to see you here. It's wonderful. And David Hasselhoff says to the bartender, Just call me Hoff. And the bartender says, No hassle. No. All right. It's <laughs> the way I tell him. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I, I was with a good friend in rugby, just um, a few weeks ago. He's been, he's been, he's 80 now. He's been in pastoral ministry for years, and to this very day, he suffers as a result of things that were said to him. Now that's not a laughing matter, is it? After all these years, somebody has said something, oof. And he's still struggling with it. You know, one of the Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. So be careful. Let's not say things that are hurtful. Let's say things that are helpful. Hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, hey, <laughs> come on. Uh, you, you're, you're, doing a, you're going to do brilliant. Let's encourage one another by our words, not discourage one another by unwholesome speech. Paul, he concludes this, and, and, and he says, put, put off, he says, bitterness and rage and anger and brawling. And then put on, be kindness, compassion to one another, forgiving each other. Ah, it's wonderful. It's put off the old and put on the new. Let me give you one illustration, and then I'm going to... How much for time, Colin? Okay. So within the 30 minutes? Oh, I might as well carry on then. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Almost there. All right. Okay. Imagine you're in the garden on a hot summer's day, all right? And it's... I mean, I don't like gardening. If anybody wants to come and do my gardening, please just, you know, I'm, you know I'll, I'll, I'll accept it with grace, you know. But, you know, you've, you've cut back the bushes and you've done the law, and you're hot and you're sticky, and you, you decide, oh, I'm dirty, hot, and sticky, so I'll, I'll, I'll go and have a shower. And so you, you go to the shower and you strip off all those dirty clothes, those dirty, sweaty clothes, and you, you cast them to one side, and you get into that shower, and oh, it's just wonderful, isn't it? And then when you come out of that shower, what do you do? Well, you put on those old dirty clothes again, don't you? No. Come on, not even an Irishman would do that, would they, really? Come on now. You would put on something that is consistent with the wash that you've just had. I feel lovely, and I'm not going to put on those old garments again. I'm going to put on something that is consistent with that shower that I've just had. And guess what? We've been renewed in Jesus. We've been cleansed. We've been washed. And now that we've been washed, we need to put on things that are consistent with the experience that we have had of being washed. 
So I'm going to end with these words, and I'll hand back uh, to Janet. It's, it's off of the old and on with the new.